Eliana, are you eating tweezers? <laughs> oh, Ian. If you, you if you look back on, I think there was a stream on my Twitch channel where Callahan put a magic wrapper in their mouth and I was horrified and moved on with my life. I ate, uh, I, I put it in my mouth. I don't know why. Um, uh, and I don't know if you've ever done the thing where you like lick a Nintendo Switch cartridge. Um, but the Nintendo Switch cartridges are okay. But this is a real thing. Nintendo Switch cartridges are like coated with this thing that make them taste horrible, so that kids don't like eat them. Okay, but it like tasted like that, and because I'm who I am, <laughs> I I have done both these things. <laughs> And welcome everyone to the Mind Sculptors Podcast. I am your host, Callahan, and boy, we have a great show lined up for you all today. We've had a crazy week, uh, had some interesting comments and some recent videos. Um, we've had some wild stuff get announced. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a moment, but first off, let me introduce my co-hosts. Uh, for this evening, uh, ranging from the great state of Ohio, uh, he's not a Batman villain. He is the Mad Man, the Mad Genius. Cobblepot, Cobblepot, how you doing? Doing well. Good to be here. And also rising again, he's back. We keep bringing him back uh, as my good friend Phoenix. How you doing? Good. I have news. Yes, you do. Yes. We we can save that (laughs) until after the introductions, though. No, yeah. uh, And also uh, joining us is uh, Major League Commander Champion and uh, good friend of the show, uh, Ian. How's it going? Hello, hello. Uh, Happy to be here once again. Yeah. Uh, So... (laughs) So the most important, the reason you're all gathered here today. The reason we're yeah, here today right, right. is, um, I, I well, before we even say it, we're here to talk about brews, news, and booze. And I'm with that, yeah, just like, oh, yeah. this is, for, for what it's worth, we've talked about for a long time, we were going to have a a, uh, a whiskey episode. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're not doing that right now. Instead, we're talking about vodka. And... um. Phoenix, you're the one who broke this news to us. Uh, yeah, to put it simply, Arby's announced that they are releasing French fry vodka. It is in crinkle cut and curly cue variations. That's all the information I have. Do with that what you will. So what I'm hearing is we all need to order some and have a special The Mind Sculptors unboxing episode. This is, where we- this is so happening. <laughs> if somebody... If somebody- Phoenix, if you order it, I will come over and we will do a taste test. <laughs> this might be happening. <laughs> I will, I will, I will Skype in for that. I'll. I'll have fun. Oh my do you gosh. suppose that crinkle cut versus curly Q have different tastes? Oh, they have to flavor oh, profiles. They have to. Have you, or is I it mean, just like the shape of the bottle? The audacity <laughs> to actually sell the same flavor in two different varieties just to really give everyone the bird honestly that sounds like some shit arby's would do like 
what was it you said? You you went and followed their Twitter page when you we. Oh, were, oh, what was the no, thing that they said? I'm following. Like, I'm following nihilistic Arby's, which is a oh, completely okay, okay. unaffiliated Twitter account uh, that is also extremely affiliated, and <laughs> their their tagline is officially I have nothing to do with Arby's. Period. Unofficially, everything is nothing. Eat Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> For, for those of you who are not getting those Arbucks, <laughs> Arby sponsor us, please. Arby's, please. I will I will shill that chicken sandwich all damn day. I will I will I'll get on this podcast and I'll talk about how great the new Arby's chicken sandwich is and how great their uh, prime rib sandwich is. All that stuff. I'll, I'll talk about it. I love it. My fiance and I actually do enjoy Arby's. Quite a bit. Um, the the truth, <laughs> honestly, with a good Dr Pepper, <laughs> mm, so good, mm. so good. So uh, a few weeks ago, we had Ian on the, the podcast, and we did a Brewers Corner of our Brewers mm-hmm. Choice. Excuse me, I keep mixing the two up. Uh, <laughs> Brewers Choice episode uh, where we explored Malcolm and Bruce Tarl. And this week uh, we're returning and we're going to be doing something a little bit different uh, than we have done in the past with Brewer's Choice. So instead of giving you three, um, a commander to work with or commander pairing to work with, um, we gave you Pot is gone. (laughs) (laughs) The the Arby's overlords have dismissed for being unenthused. (laughs) <laughs> Cobblepot, are are you back? Nope, he's not back. Oh. Uh that's well, okay. So is he still here? This happened with Morgan uh, mm. a few few weeks ago too. So it happens yeah. from time to time, but it's okay. I'm gonna keep talking <laughs> and we're yeah. just gonna keep getting just some prime some prime, prime chill. Yeah. <laughs> and some prime rib sandwiches from our <laughs> <laughs> When was the last time you guys ate Arby's? I have never. You've never eaten an Arby's. An Arby's. I don't yeah. fucking believe that. Never. never? You've never had never those been fried? To an Arby's. There, there may be. I'm, so I'm remembering there was a road trip with my cousins back when I think I was like 12. And I think we stopped at an Arby's. I don't think I got any. We need to stop this recording right now. So I can go so get Arby's. So you can go get some just fucking did. Arby's. Their sauces are good. Everything that's like okay. on the menu is like bread and fine. meat, but there's no it's way to like a- mess it up. So I, I'm, I'm fine with the classic bread and meat. I think roast beef is like, like ham, just like a solid C and like it's it not can't excellent be, in any way. I will, I will actively say that they're, um, they're like chicken sandwich that they did because, you know, okay. the, the, if you're familiar with the chicken sandwich wars. Uh, I have to make sure that I say has claimed human lives. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're familiar, there are two cobble pots in chat. I would want to point out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the fuck that's happening. Uh, but no, like since they had to jump into the chicken sandwich wars, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, they have their own like chick, but it has bacon on it and Swiss. Okay. And it's Do you like, listen to my brother, my brother, and me? Is that where this? Yeah, is this is from, from my brother, my brother. Okay. Well, yeah, and no, I love this. Um, that's like my favorite podcast. I listen to it nice. all the fucking time. That explains a lot about our mutual sense of humor. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Kellyanne, are you eating tweezers? 
Oh, Ian. If you, what are you talking if you about? look back on, I think there was a stream on my Twitch channel where Callahan put a magic wrapper in their mouth, and I was horrified and moved on with my life. I ate. Uh, I I put it in my mouth. I don't know why. Um, uh, and I don't know if you've ever done the thing where you like lick a Nintendo Switch cartridge. Um, but the Nintendo Switch cartridges are okay. But this is a real thing. Nintendo Switch cartridges are like coated with this thing that make them taste horrible, so that kids don't like eat them. Okay, but it like tasted like that, and because I'm who I am, <laughs> I I have done both these things. <laughs> where I've uh, I've mm-hmm. eaten mm-hmm. a uh, a Magic yeah. Card wrapper. And I've mm-hmm, lived a Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch uh, cartridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. It is. Listen, dude, I have horrific ADHD. So <laughs> when I like, was diagnosed with ADHD, um, the psychiatrist who did my testing uh, said verbatim, you're the worst I've ever seen at that test. <laughs> I was like so did I pass? <laughs> Is that good or bad? You you got the highest score you could possibly fucking imagine. I was in the 99th percentile of people who took the test and I was just like yeah. so <sighs> fucking Arby's. <laughs> Whoever came up with that did their job. We're like talking about it, right? Like it's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they're, they're succeeding, right? Like I'm going to buy a vodka from RVs. We'll see how it goes. Age, but. This like age of marketing where companies are like. It's the Nebraska thing all over again, right? Like we talked about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nebraska. It ain't, it's not for everyone. But uh, segueing that back to magic, if this is even. <laughs> Making his way to the final, uh, <laughs> the final, the final, uh, the secret layers are the same kind of concept, right? Like it's the FOMO and like marketing combination. Yeah, but I like think able to talk about it. I think the Arby's thing is way more like chaotic. Like yeah. I think there like is the Arby's thing is like is like speaking to me on a spiritual level, where a secret layer is just like <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> Arby's is just like, yeah, I don't know the Boston French Fry vodka, I guess. <laughs> and we're like, damn it, we will. Shit. <laughs> Some dude like ripped a fat joint the night before and was like, I'm a business professional. I have a brilliant idea. Like, Fuck, it's so goddamn good. <laughs> I just love this like. I think like Old Spice started the like chaotic advertising trend that uh, a lot of companies have started taking where it's just like their ads are complete nonsense and you're just like talking about it because it's like, fuck, did you see that Old Spice ad that made fucking no absolute sense? Trying again. Hey. Okay. I don't know if you saw my Discord. Wow. What quality? Yeah, we hear you and see you. Right. I switched networks and rebooted. 
because my in-laws are here. So there's five cell phones that are currently connected to Wi-Fi. And ah. my son is in an online class and my daughter is playing video <laughs> games with Zoom open, talking to her friends. <laughs> like just like the nightmare scenario. The face when your sure. internet just screams. <laughs> oh, so man. it looks like they were all on the the other network. So I switched over to this one and hopefully this should be better. Yeah, seems We could probably start the... Uh, Oh, we're just rolling recording with it, again. No, we're just rolling with it. We were, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we were just stopped. talking. So, as much of that makes it in or it doesn't, that's great. Uh, it's the it's the Adam Sandler Lonely Island movie. Never stop, never stopping. <laughs> <laughs> Have any of you guys seen that movie? It's actually pretty funny. Which one? Oh, the pop star no. movie? Yeah, I yeah, haven't it's, seen it. No, it, it was quite enjoyable. There's a I don't spoil it. There's a whole sequence where they like put the camera down as if the cameraman did put the camera down, and there's a whole thing with some giant bees. And <laughs> I probably piss myself every single time. Oh. Um. So anyway. Anyway. Uh. So a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Seamless. Woo. We have. Good spent, like the last twenty minutes like riffing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're welcome for the content farm <laughs> uh, so I'm going to try to get it together here uh, 20 minutes ago uh, fuck <laughs> I'm going to have to edit this so much you are um, we were doing so normally we do brewer's choice where everybody is bound by the same commander or commander pair and you have your choice of where you want to take that commander or right. commander pair. And right. we are switching things up this week by not binding people to a specific commander, but instead saying that everybody needs to be running the card humility and no other restrictions. I tapped out on this one. I like I tried so hard to brew a deck for this and uh I just like creatures, it turns out. I like to play them. Same, same. So, there was like 20 slots in here that I was like, what, am I just going to fill it with good cards? What is this? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. So we're all do, you, you all did humility decks, and um, yep. it's very interesting because when we were looking at the lists that y'all put together, um, they are, they literally could not be any more dissimilar. Uh, the only similarity I think we were capable of finding is they all run humility and they all run Esper Sentinel. And uh, I believe that is where yeah. the similarities. end. So yeah, we've there's got, just a, a couple of like enlightened tutors, swords, right. plowshares, those kind of things. But that's it. Turns out honestly, mad respect for everyone playing swords. Thank you. Like, <laughs> I got that stuff. <laughs> hashtag play swords, plowshares. Actually, yeah, honestly, truth. hashtag play path to exile. But. Police basics, right? Um, Brooklyn and let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's just like sitting here, like chomping down on a fucking chicken's finger <laughs> while we're talking, which is like my favorite part about this whole thing. Is that um, curly or crinkle cut? <laughs> no, you missed this conversation, Cobble. You missed this conversation. Uh, so for the folks at home, because I seamlessly edited this all together, um, Cobblepot had some disconnection <laughs> issues. And you, he he was gone, but you missed the part where we were talking. 
we were talking about uh, the fact that Ian's never had Arby's before. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I told him he should have should go to eat it because they're, they're, I mean, they're crispy chicken sandwiches. You aren't awesome. missing out on much, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk Gobble about this crispy right sandwich. Says it all. Gobble's face <laughs> says enough. <laughs> the most he solemn headshake. <laughs> this is my favorite podcast we've done ever. <laughs> ever. It's gone horribly so far for 20 minutes and it's my favorite podcast we've ever done so let's get into the show um so we're talking about humility and so uh let's take a look at the high level game plan here so we've got three decks uh first we've got cobbles deck which is uh thrasius timnalis i love the name on this list it is uh what i'm probably gonna name this episode it's uh, called four color train wreck and uh we'll take a look at that here in a minute but it's a thrasius timna humility deck uh also ian's list was a kiri line slinger in tevishat doom of fools and finally phoenix's list oh excuse me uh that list's name was called humble beginnings uh and phoenix's list is kestia the cultivator and you worked on this with charles and you two had boring names called Brewer's Corner. Humility. That was me. Kestia. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> I like it. I like, must be an inside joke. I was gonna workshop Hubble's, it. Hubble's decks have like the the absolute like meme names with between Magda last week and like train wreck <laughs> this week. You can tell me I did a stupid amount of improv comedy, so mine's just like a bad pun. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just like this is Castia. Then mine this was named like Sky Stoneblade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, I've, I've been told when I tell stories, it's this happened. That's the story. <laughs> Here are the facts. Here's what happens. Uh, so let's let's take a look at uh, humble beginnings here. So we're looking at a Mardu. Mm-hmm humility deck but what is this what is the real game plan here going because when i look at this list doesn't really it it looks a lot like mad farm yeah so the idea was when i came up with the list i was like all right what do you want to do with humility right you want to break parody on humility right because playing a humility deck seems pretty loose if you can't break parody on it so want to take advantage the best possible so there's a couple things i wanted to do which is one play a commander that breaks parity on it, right? So Tevish Sot was immediately the thing that comes to mind. Uh, Ishai Tevesh has been kind of the de facto one so far. So one, I wanted to like step away from that. But two, I wanted to pivot away from that in a way that made sense. So to me, what I would rather do is find a strategy that also does not get stopped by humility. And to me, that's the turbo not strategy. Mm-hmm. Right. Like right now, the the fast, aggressive decks like Turbo Ad Nauseum, they're the ones playing board wipes. Right. They're the ones wiping the board against the stacks decks. They're the ones trying to clear away all the the permanent based, you know, stacks, basically, or, you know, interaction pieces or value engines and stuff like that. So that's and and I found that, like, they're they're the decks that want to play things like Dress Down. Mm -hmm. They're the decks that want to play things like Toxic Deluge and Dam and stuff like that. So to me, it made sense to like just play into that strategy. Um, You don't really lose a ton of like necessary creatures. You lose 
Timna in the command zone, but Tevishot kind of makes up for that. Right. Um, the fact that humility actually just buffs Tevish's uh, yeah, <laughs> is kind of funny. Um, and Tevish is also a sacrifice outlet for Arena Rector, which is pretty cool to just have that in the command yep. zone at all times. So moral of the story is uh, breaking parody on humility seems pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Did you mean Academy Rector? I probably did. Okay. <laughs> it's It's because he's been hanging around with me so much. That whenever I talk I about you Rector say them effect, both interchangeably, I do, yep, because yep. I'm just like, well, you get a reenactor and reenactor gets this, and then that gets a regular yep. academy rector, and blah, 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 blah. and so yeah, it, that's my fault. Um, <laughs> let's look at this train wreck cobble. What's going on over here? It uh, looks like a lot of four color stuff that is a little like it. It doesn't look too dissimilar from uh, I think people who are fans of the show listen to the podcast a lot might be familiar we've talked about the man decks of ore um, and this looks like it uh, has a few similarities with some of those old he-man variants which was the humility uh, mid-range ad nauseum variant so tell us what's going on with this train wreck sure this is uh, I would say very, very loosely dotted line connected to those old He-Man lists, uh, mainly in the fact that it's four color and it stands red. Um, the idea here is to, uh, rather than being a Turbo Nas list, it's a control mm -hmm. list um, that is looking to try to uh, clamp down on the, the biggest vectors of exploitation that we see in the metagame. Mm -hmm. Mainly, uh, enter the battlefield triggers to hit Dockside Extortionist and Tassa's Oracle and Spellseeker and things like that. And also the, the graveyard in general. So running lots of hate to keep people off of those expected game plans. So, you know, Planner Void and Rest in Peace and Graftigger's Cage and, you know, the Torpor Orb, Hushbringer, and multiple redundancy for each of the effects to keep people off of those lines or at least require people to find contingency, contingency pieces to remove those before that they can move forward on their own. And uh, there's plenty of other stuff going on here. There's actually a proliferate sub theme that's going on and there's also an as foretold sub theme that's going on and we can <laughs> get into that in a little bit yeah it was like this is secretly a uh, restore balance deck um and i love <laughs> it um looking over at uh the brewer's corner humility kestia list <laughs> um <laughs> Jeremy, what's going on with this list? I know you and Charles, uh, Mono White Guy, uh, worked on this list together. Yeah. I mean, we could just say the name right now, and it's Judge. It's just Judge Call immediately. <laughs> uh, literally, for context, I asked three rulings in the pre-show, even about this deck, and I was the one who helped make it. Um, so... <laughs> For those who don't know exactly how humility works, I don't know if we wanted to do a rules thing about it. 
at some point in we this also, episode. I don't think have actually read the card, which is probably important. Okay, at some point. So, here, <laughs> so we, can, we can do that before layers. mine because I mine does interact yeah. with layers. So if you are not familiar with the card humility, um, this might give some context to what we've been talking about for the last few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it's a four uh, mana white enchantment that says all creatures lose all abilities and have base power and toughness one one. Uh, so it is every judge's nightmare. Uh, mm-hmm. It is. It's not quite as bad as Oko, but it's up there. So um, with that being said, uh, and of course, Oko's in your uh, fun fact uh, for those of you who are at home. Uh, speaking of which, um, I don't know if it works the same way with humility, but I do know that it works this way with uh, Oko. If you. Plus one, Oko, on Magus of the Moon, all lands are still, or all non-basic lands are still mountains. Yeah. Yeah. That, I went to a conference, and one of our sessions, we devoted an entire hour session to that interaction alone. Yeah. So. And for context, I did consider playing Opalescence in this deck, which is just basically Judge Nightmare, the deck. Yes. No, there's like, no so escape, blood. don't worry. So. <laughs> Anyway, we're looking at Brewer's <laughs> Corner Kestia or Humility Kestia. So uh, explain to us what this is doing. Also, for some people who might not be familiar with Kestia, what is Kestia? What's this? Deck, yeah. Right? So basically, the concept is you take what is kind of established with Sithis and Jam Blue into it. Uh, just taking the best enchantment creatures and using enchantments to break value on the humility uh, because in Enchantments are not creatures. And then Castia, <laughs> let me read the card out correctly, just so I don't misread anything. It's from the, uh, what was the commander with uh, 2018. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And it's from the, uh, the Astrid deck. deck. Yeah. So Castia <laughs> is one in a bant for a 4 4 legendary enchantment creature. And it has whenever an enchanted creature or an enchantment creature you control attacks, draw a card. And the relevant line of text for this deck is that it has bestow for three colorless and then a bant and enchanted creature gets plus four plus four. And so because of the way that humility works with losing abilities and setting the power and toughness to one, if you bestow Kestia on a creature after the humility has been on the board, the creature will get the Kestia draw text and it will get the plus four plus four. Um, It works the same way with equipment and auras. Yeah. Uh, since since it is an aura it is a timing thing it's whichever one comes first in this case Kestia stamps right in this case as well if Kestia was on something it would still have the plus four plus four because of the way that setting works for layers and Mm -hmm. we don't need to get Mm -hmm. too much into the rules of how it works but basically Kestia works through humility when you're bestowing it or slightly works through humility if you're bestowing it right so that is basically the concept of the deck and that was where all of the enchantment value creatures came in and it was just playing the best enchantment creatures I could. And that's where Sethus came in. It's funny that I was looking at uh, mono white Nahiri for a, uh, a similar reason it was because the, the way you could like stack it would be like the, you play your like cores from Nahiri. Obviously it's planeswalker wouldn't get affected. And then like all the equipment really didn't care about humility happening. Right. So that's pretty cool. I was actually surprised. I, I actually was, I was doing, I tried that same thing and, um, uh, living weapon creatures are actually really good because they 
come in as instead of zero zeros, they come in as one ones. One and, ones, yeah. <laughs> and so it's basically the way that living weapon works normally, but just buffed. They're they're That's actually hilarious. buffed by humility. <laughs> I just want you all to know, as somebody who's been doing stuff with Arden now and looking back at this, and I'm like, oh, oh, hello. What? I missed an opportunity. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, let's take a look at they are some of the Wincons. Humble Beginnings, of course, <laughs> being an Adnaz uh, deck. We're doing some stuff here with Adnaz, but you're actually running Aetherflux Reservoir and Sickening Dreams as Wincons? Yeah. So obviously... Yeah, um, Sickening Dreams I'm not a fan of, but we kind of needed a backup in condition uh, is the idea with that one. Um, like, I don't love having to play it. Does it really hurt the card quality of the deck so much? No, because like, as I said, I had like 85 cards in the deck and I was like, wow, I, can I just jam this full of whatever interaction Marty <laughs> can have? And I did. And Sickening Dreams was like, fine, we'll put it in there. Um, but Aetherflux Reservoir is the main win condition. Um, I have been saying for three, four months now, maybe longer, that if you are playing an Adnaz deck that is not playing blue and black, i.e. Thassa's Oracle uh, and Underworld Breach with Brain Freeze, you should just be playing Aetherflux Reservoir. And I don't think that's that hot of a take, um, especially if your commander isn't an infinite mana outlet. Um it's just because the fact that Aetherflux Reservoir is just actually pretty clean when you're like, think about how many spells you have to cast post ad nauseum when you're just like doing manual storm stuff. It's the Joyra, um, the Joyra thing, right? You just, yeah, just start exactly. storming off. You just, you just, and yeah, with things like Bergy in the deck and obviously Underworld Breach. Hey, Underworld Breach can still be played like fair, <laughs> quote, 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 uh, <laughs> and still like get you a ridiculous amount of spells and just win you the game that way. So, uh, I mean, Adnaz decks are storm decks, right? So having a storm win con kind of works out really well. And then so obviously you also can't use uh, dual caster twin flame, which is like I feel like a lot of people's De facto. default Mardu. backup win con in Mardu and which, uh, you, you know, I also have opinions. I don't think it's that great. I would rather play Reservoir anyways, but um, I would definitely probably play that over uh Sickening dreams. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the idea here. Um, and then so the other win cons, uh, obviously, Angel's Grace into Sickening Dreams is how you win with Sickening Dreams. You draw your whole deck and then hit everyone for a big amount. Um, you can also Underworld Breach with Wheel of Fortune in the graveyard and Angel's Grace to basically like draw your opponents out that way, um, which is a weird one. You should basically make them draw and it doesn't matter that you don't have any cards left. Uh, and I think that's it as far as win cons. But the, but the way you get there usually uh, is one of three ways because I'm crazy and I'm playing a very greedy deck. I'm playing Bolus of Citadel, Peer into the Abyss, and Ad Nauseum. And still the curve's only 1.28, so I'm still feeling pretty good about that. I think that. it's <laughs> less greedy. I, so the, the reason I'm over here, if you're looking at my camera, I'm making like all these yeah. weird faces is, um, you know, because part of what I was thinking is we're talking about these Mardu win cons. And I'm like, yeah. man, Jessica just simplified everything didn't it oh yeah like, just because stupid yeah uh, <laughs> and um i'm sitting here so i was like well what else what 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 does mad farm really look like these days and i'm pulling it up and it's running like fucking rune scar demon and shit and i'm like what in the yeah. world is this deck on um so but that's its own own thing we could probably talk about the good news is mm -hmm. you don't get to run world gorder dragon 
So you get that temptation yeah. taken away from you. Yeah, which is where probably the uh, the CMC of Citadel can fit in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. Citadel's a little underrated, I think. Uh, but Yeah, it's one of those things where you like you, you play a big fat thing and sometimes it does not win you the game. Yeah. But then like you, un- you untap next turn, it usually does. <laughs> There's also just the added uh, layer where you can just sacrifice some stuff and be like, all right. Dong everybody, yeah. <laughs> you lost in life. Um, yeah looking over other than other than reservoir um Mm -hmm. how do you keep your life buoyant to be able to support the you know uh i mean not just ad nauseum but peer into the abyss and citadel and stuff like that so i think well the idea is one that like you have humility out in your slow games right and that that is going to keep your life total hopefully less pressure due to the fact that tevesh really takes over the board in that state oh nobody um, plays najila oh. yeah i mean so decks like najila we have two board wipes for on top of humility which is toxic deluge and damn um and as far as like life total mattering like adnaz and citadel care about that uh but pure into the abyss you can be it too and you'll be fine right and um on top of that we are playing angel's grace for that very reason because you don't need life gain necessarily it's the angel's grace is kind of there to be like uh i'm at three but you know what i'm still gonna win the game with this adnaz cool yeah i was gonna say just as a mention for all of these decks you would be very surprised how fast you die to a table full of one ones when all of them are hitting you yeah. yeah, I believe we have sure. on uh, on our gameplay a uh, physical manifestation of that where Phoenix was playing <laughs> Teva Shishai, um, mm-hmm. a very early version of that list. And yep. uh, he turboed out humility and then just got punched in the face. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, looking over at the train wreck, what are we doing uh, as far as win cons over here in Thrasios, Timna? You know, you've got your, uh, your, your we're not doing any Thassa's Oracle shenanigans, none of that here. What are we doing over here? Right. The we're because our, our main lines are built around stopping Thassa's Oracle and uh, Dockside Extortionist shenanigans, uh, we're basically falling back onto the going infinite with dramatic scepter. And if we don't have humility down, then dramatic scepter just lets us draw our deck with Thrasios. Um, but even with a humility, blind obedience is just a win. Um, we can also do uh, Heliod and walking ballista, uh, which will I believe not work through humility. That is correct. But it, you know, if we can have a way to uh, remove our humility, then we can just win straight that way. Uh, We have a. Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, There's a proliferate sub theme here. So. We, with dramatic uh, scepter and something like a flux channeler or a candelabra and Karns Bastion, <laughs> we can uh, infinitely do 
uh, put counters on all of our permanents. So uh, with Teferi Master of Time, we can just take all the turns or, um, you know, with Kazmina, we can arbitrarily cast, cast whatever we want spells. in our graveyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, just taking all the turns generally is is good enough. And uh, Meat Hook Massacre, you'd be pretty impressed with how much work that does yeah. uh, when all the creatures are one ones. So <laughs> it, especially if you have something like, you know, Tabernacle down and then you, you hit something like uh, restore balance and mm. all of a sudden nobody has any land to be able to support the creatures and it's right. Death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> yeah. Couple quick question. You, with the Isochron Scepter plan, it seems really like thin here because I'm seeing like eight artifacts that tap for mana. And obviously, there's no mana dorks, right? It's a humility deck. So it seems like pretty hard to get going, right? It, it, it depends on what you are prioritizing. So mm-hmm. we have all of the black tutors. Yep. And um, the first priority is to get hate pieces down. But right, right. There's a lot of of big draw effects or continuous draw effects. So okay. we, we've got, you know, Adnaws, we've got Necropotence, mm-hmm. we've got Ristic Study, Esper Sentinel, Mystic Remora. Um, there's a lot of draw, or at least you see a lot of cards with yeah. both Thrasios and Timna um, mm-hmm. before, you know, in the early game. Uh, the yep. expectation is that you use Thrasios and Timna as value mm-hmm. pieces to gotcha. keep your hand full and keep seeing cards so that you can uh, get hate into play and also be able to hold up mana to be able to interact with other opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, Teferi and uh, Ashayak and, you know, Kismina yeah. are useful in allowing you to see additional cards as well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing that as I look at it is usually part of what I see as the benefit of like Thrasios Timna decks is using your creatures. Well, really any Timna deck is using your creatures as card advantage outlets. And mm-hmm. I feel like um, lose like what are your thoughts, Cobble, on how that losing that piece because like you do get to use Timna and Thrasios, but when like Timna and Thrasios are shining the brightest, right. Is when you're swinging, not just Timna, you're also swinging, you know, the other incidental creatures that you just play through playing Thrasios and Timna. Right. How, how do you feel? What, how big is that loss uh, to the overall game plan? It's, I would say uh, it's a balance that you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Thrasios, I mean, if if you've got Sarah Sanctum in play, it's it's not the same thing as Guy's Cradle, but it's not too far off from that. So uh, that allows you to uh, create a continuous draw with Thrasios, especially mm-hmm. when you've got Candelabra. Um, right. And with Timna... Mm-hmm. Really, if you're even if you're just drawing one card per turn, 
because generally, you know, especially if there's stacks heavy stuff that's going on, um, your chances of, of getting through, uh, you know, to get three, three hits per combat cycle, um, it's pretty unlikely. So really you're just looking to generate one card per turn and that's fine. Yeah. Fair enough. So far that I've seen. One of the nice interactions that I really like with this deck, um, is the ability that Urza Saga can just go tutor up Candelabra and that just feels mm. Ooh, that's a sexy oh. interaction. <laughs> oh chef's kiss all the way around. Um, a lot of times I I try to get Sensei's Divining Top first just because of its mm-hmm. interaction with counterbalance. Mm-hmm. Right. Um because it allows you to be much more mana efficient with your control. So Makes instead sense. of needing to have the mana and the cards to be able to counter everybody's things. Uh, you just take a look at what the top three is that you have. Yep. And Reset it a little bit. Yep. So that goes a long way. Right. Yeah, right. for sure. Uh, looking over at uh, Kestia, what is it that we're doing in Kestia to win the game here, Phoenix? Yeah. So Kestia, uh, like I said earlier, lets you give plus four, plus four. So it becomes so whatever creature you enchanted becomes a five five and is bigger than pretty much anything your opponents are going to be able to do uh, with creatures so that is the main game plan is swinging with castia and uh, creatures do retain enchantment super type when they are under humility mm-hmm. so castia does still draw off of all the enchantment creatures and then additionally, uh, converting that draw and all the enchantment tutors into something uh, like Earthcraft plus Squirrel Nest uh, that mm-hmm. lets you get infinite creatures even underneath a humility mm-hmm. and then swing out at the table from there. Um, otherwise, the backup plans <laughs> are something along the lines of uh, there is a Dovescape and there is uh, Enchanted Evening and a couple of combos with those that are turning it one sided. Very cool. I love I love so much of this list. It's just Bant enchantments, and I think it looks so much fun. Um, I will honestly it's say really I interesting. Took, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, seeing a humility list that runs eighteen creatures is yeah. that that warms my cockles. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm sure you and Charles had some some conversations about it, but looking over to some key cards. Uh, looking at like the humble beginnings we're looking at this mardu humility list and what are what would you say identify as like the main key cards in this list there ian um yeah so obviously ad nauseum technically not like a wincon but the assembler of the wincon uh so you know bolus citadel ad nauseum kind of duh um <laughs> very easy to uh, see how those cards are important um looking at like important other pieces uh a lot of them just kind of go into like what is the win condition package here a lot of the early game is based off of having out tevesh as early as possible Mm -hmm. so it's it's gonna sound kind of silly but like the important cards in the deck are like lotus Mana <laughs> Vault and Jeweled Lotus <laughs> and stupid stuff like that, right? So getting because Tevesh is just such a value piece, and because it's only a single colored pip, it is so so easy to get out early in the game. Um, and you know the idea that you can be like turn one Mana Vault, turn two Tevesh, right. 
done. Um, you can start creating creatures. Uh, you have Akiri. So the reason I chose Akiri over Bruce is the fact that Akiri costs two mana and therefore can be cast multiple times. Right. <laughs> um, it's really that simple. Like I can, I have a Mox Amber in the deck that is just good post Nas, but it's also good with the fact that you have a two mana commander. And I'm playing Springleaf Drum for that reason because I want to get as much acceleration as possible. And playing a two mana commander, despite being reasonably useless, it's <laughs> still. Uh, <laughs> It's still really good with that card. Um, Skull Clamp obviously is fantastic with uh, Tavesh. For anyone who's played with that interaction, it's super dumb. Um, some like cool cards to like mention. Uh, some of the MDFCs that exist right now. So specifically, Valky, Bergy, and Flamescrow Celebrant all have front side utility but are creatures that can have a backside so for example i was goldfishing earlier today was able to use the front side of bergy to storm off but if there's a world where your humility is out bergy can also become horn of harnfell i think it's correct called uh and just churn you through a bunch of cards and that with tavesh is pretty nasty uh Flamescrow Skeleton, just another silence. As I said, I had a lot of space for interaction in this deck because I was like, ah, I wouldn't normally play a creature here. What else do I play? <laughs> <laughs> um, card that I think is super underplayed right now and has saved my ad nauses so many times, Scroll Rack. Mm-hmm. Uh, for lower color ad nauseum decks where you don't... So for example, like Mardu gets a lot less clean stuff than... Grixis, right? Because Grixis, you can be like, uh, tutor for breach and an LED, and I uh, brain freeze going in, or uh, cast an intuition. That's a one card assembler, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that's super clean. But with Mardu, as I mentioned, you know, one of my win cons is Aetherflux Reservoir, which is not a clean card sometimes, because sometimes you got to get the storm count up there. So I was, uh, once again, doing Goldfish today where I had to go, okay, make like 13 mana off my first half of this Adnaz. And then I just was like, but I can't do anything with it. All right, I'm going to throw these 15 cards I got off my Adnaz back, get another 15 cards. Oh, hey, here's more free mana. And now I can like throw all that stuff back. So scroll rack, especially in like low color Adnaz decks has been really, really helpful for me. And I feel like it's just like not being talked about yeah. at all. Um, so, it's yeah. also interesting. Um, you know, when you're you're talking about these Aetherflux Reservoir strategies, um, mm-hmm. how important I think it became really abundantly clear after Pengen was banned how mm-hmm. integral that card was to either for Lux Reservoir being good played right. yeah like mm-hmm. I think it's still good like I'm not disagreeing with your your assessment mm-hmm. of it um, but it it it's interesting to just see how because every time I see Aetherflux Reservoir in a deck, I'm like, man, you just throw like Pension in this, and this deck is like immediately better. Oh, like, yeah, um, <laughs> pour one out for the homies for sure. Uh, and it's also it's also interesting because um, I remember a year ago, it's been exactly a year when we were doing our set review notes for uh commander legends it was me cobble and pongo and it was like the first time really the three of us sat down to talk together uh in voice Mm -hmm. chat and we were looking at cards to review and we were just like nah nobody's gonna play tavish and then like (laughs) yeah like the community (laughs) as a whole just looked at tavish and went "Eh." 
And then Rebel, I think, was the person who started the Tevish Krom thing. And I yeah. feel like mm-hmm. that was when the community went, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit better than we thought. Yeah. I, for me, it was, uh, it was the first time I saw someone pair a rock rack with Tevish. And I was like, oh, that draws like a lot of cars, huh? <laughs> and then I was like, watch people play with it. And I was like, oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> I think it, it also, people didn't really immediately realize that mm-hmm. the ultimate for Tevesh would get yeah. Tevesh back. It's yeah. so stupid. Yeah. Um, it's very cool. It's so and dumb. When people realized that, that they yeah. they could just alt Tevesh when he hit 10 mm-hmm. and then immediately have another Tevesh starting that yeah. you could then activate again. Yeah. Um, and you have plenty that, of commanders to sacrifice too. <laughs> yeah. I, I think also like one of the biggest reasons was we we hadn't played with Jewel Lotus yet, right? right. So nowadays we're all kind of used to being like, oh well, turn two crumb happened because Jewel Lotus, burr, burr, burr. but like back when that happened, that wasn't a thing that would just like we like it was Man of Alter Grim Monolith on turn one or I bust think or the, those things to happen. The, um, you have seen Blue Farm, and I don't want to go too far off topic, but I think just jumping off of what you're saying is. I think Jeweled Lotus definitely played a huge role in Crom's big jump in popularity. I would agree. Don't disagree. I think people just assume that also means in power level. I don't, and that's where I don't I'll, know that I, I agree there. I don't think it made it better in power level. But I do yes, think okay, that, cool. As long as we make that distinction yeah, super duper like, clear. <laughs> but I do think that people started looking at it and going, oh, we're going to do this more. Like Tim McCrom's popularity yeah. definitely jumped when you went, oh, yeah. I can just turn one Crom like way more yeah. consistently. Yeah. And, and it gets paid off a lot easier when people are doing greed stuff in the early turns. So yeah. <laughs> um, looking over at some key cards for uh, your list, Cobble, um, what are some of the key cards we're running over there. I, I'm looking at our notes and you've got like a list, a big list. Everybody's yeah. got like one or two and you're here with like a list. And that's because the, the, the deck is very contingent based on the texture of the table. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. depending on who it is that you're playing and you know what the, the decks are, if the, the decks are creature oriented and stacks oriented, or if they're turbo NAS, you know, you're, you're going to be looking for different things. You're going to prioritize uh, different permanents to get into play. Generally, I think a tabernacle is just really good because most people don't have any removal for it. And mm. it very uh, effectively um takes away the this you know the stack strategy for sure because you mm-hmm. got to just pick which hate bears are most important to you but it it, it also uh makes it very difficult for people who have uh dorks or you know any other just value pieces they've mm-hmm. it, it becomes a big drain on mana um, yeah. very quickly and it's a huge tempo swing uh where you if you're not having any creatures at all and fine with that uh versus needing to sink you know three four mana into your the, the tabernacle every single turn um the ability to <coughs> stay on your game plan 
is is there's a huge boost there because of the difference. Mm-hmm. I do have to just slap you on the wrist a little bit here. Um, you're not playing. You're, you're not doing the spice of playing Yavamaya or Urborg with Tabernacle. So your Tabernacle is still a functional land. <laughs> I just yeah. Slap on the wrist I for mean, that one. <laughs> we could probably probably do that, but I mean, really, um, yeah. I you don't need a lot of black mana. Mo- the The mana we use most is is blue because mm-hmm. we're doing. I'm saying it a, like a lot of interaction, almost semi ironically for what it's worth. Yeah, because that was like one of my sure. favorite interactions to do in uh, Golo stacks was you would like turbo out a tabernacle then you would sacrifice your uh you would sack your uh golos, golos to the tabernacle get, yeah, recast it, it get like urborg and then your tabernacle becomes functional meanwhile you also have like workshop and all this stuff uh, <laughs> i miss that deck so much that deck <laughs> made me so happy um additional yeah. key cards uh <laughs> definitely um Things like Heliod and Walking Ballista, uh, even just like Heliod by itself right. is is really good uh, mm-hmm. when humility is down, um, yep. just because it's not a creature. For real. And yeah. you can, because of timestamps, mm-hmm. you know, actually give your creatures lifelink and yep. um, the plus one plus one counters accumulate pretty quickly. Yeah. And um under a humility, if you can protect the humility, that very quickly swings things in your favor because not only do you have bigger creatures, but your creatures have lifelink. So I t- do find it kind of funny that the uh, humility counts for two of the devotion already for, right. <laughs> for Heliad. So it's like just at the point where it might get a little scary at some point. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, um, so I have an interesting question for the class that I actually, because I was looking at your list and you were talking about. Um, I saw in your notes because Amina's amazing, but that led yes. me off to the the sidetrack of the Oko interaction with humility out of if you Oko one of your creatures when there's a humility out because those are layered effects, which one is it? And I don't totally know the answer to that. Whichever I, one I believe most recently is it the most recent one? Yep. I I, th- okay. I don't think that that's the case for setting uh, power and toughness. There's oh. a layer for setting power and toughness, and there's a layer for modifying power and toughness. As a judge, I and, hate layers. Oh. I believe they're both and setting. I, I, and so they're in the same um, layer, so they would be timestamps. Oko makes it a 3-3 three, three, and Humility makes it a 1-1. One, one. interesting judges out there okay. give us your comments yeah, let us comment, know what you think comment below. Uh, because i actually genuinely don't know that answer because i think phoenix is right but i also think cobble might be right so i like so for for what it's worth uh when oko and humility are both down really you're using oko to take people's creatures and use them as blockers basically um and giving them food tokens and that sort of thing. But Oko really has the most utility when you're not under humility and right. 
you turn somebody's Najila into an elk or something like that, where somebody's game plan is strongly based around having a specific creature with specific powers in play. So going to Kazmina, um, Kazmina is one of those cards that a lot of people, this is Kazmina the Enigma Sage, mm-hmm. which is one, a green and a blue. And this is a planeswalker that gives all other planeswalkers that you control the loyalty abilities of Kazmina. So not only can they do the things that they normally do, but they can also do things that Kazmina can do. And Kazmina has a plus two to scry one. Um, actually, the plus two is more important than the scry one in that. The scry one is nice, uh, especially when you've got um, your uh, counterbalance out or something like that. But for Ashayak or, you know, Gideon of the Trials or something like that, uh, being able to plus two them is 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 nice because, you know, Ashayak normally can't do that on its own. And uh, protecting Gideon is actually relevant. <laughs> yeah, it is. So uh, but the, the minus X is creating a zero zero uh, fractal creature token that has X plus one plus one counters on it. So, again, this is another way to generate creatures that are going to be bigger than everybody else's creatures under an active humility. But the, the the real key is the minus eight, which is search your library for an instant or sorcery card that shares a color with this planeswalker. Uh, exile that card, shuffle, and then you can cast that card without paying its mana cost. So there's, you know, if, if Tevesh was in this list, you could use that to go and cast ad nauseum or appear into the abyss or you know something like that but uh i think we talked about that in our set review of strixhaven it's possible uh, like a a thrasios tevish list that does stuff right. with that but um here what it does is it gives us a lot of flexibility to cast our spells that are controlling things like toxic deluge or spells that can't be directly cast like restore balance and hypergenesis. So um, being able to tick up a Oko and then use Oko to cast hypergenesis and put a bunch of enchantments into play really quickly um, is very flexible to be able to pivot from one board state to another uh, really quickly. Also to be able to put all your lands into play, for instance, um, it's not out of the ordinary to have a ad nauseum and uh, not necessarily Kazmina, but uh, as foretold mm-hmm. allows you to do the same thing because it allows you to cast something that costs zero. So you have an ad nos for 25 cards and then you pay three to put as foretold into, onto the battlefield and then hypergenesis. And now you put all of those lands onto the battlefield and all of the permanents in your hand onto the battlefield. And generally that's going to be more than what everybody else has. So uh, being able to plus two to fairy master of time on everybody's turn also makes a very big difference yeah. in how quickly you get to the ultimate being able to take two turns and there's you know a lot of times that uh, you'll be able to put together an engine with some of the 
proliferation effects to be able to just take all the turns. And um, that's fun when that happens. Um, it's, it's really funny. Um, every time I see Kazmina, I will forever be reminded of in our set review and I called it Kazmina Enema Sage. <laughs> um, I will, I will be forever reminded of the fact that I said that, didn't think about it. And you and Bongo were like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Time out. What did you say? Uh, <laughs> um, well, one other, one last thing just to note, the, the proliferation angle mm-hmm. here is not just about the planeswalkers. So as things like Heliod or, uh, walking ballista or Kazmina are, you know, putting plus one, plus one counters on creatures, Mm -hmm. those get proliferated as well. So even if humility is down, um, you can be using Karn's Bastion to be able to keep pumping all of your creatures. Uh, You can proliferate the token or the the counters that are on as foretold to be able to, uh, cast bigger and bigger spells um, out of time as an enchantment is, is actually really strong. Um, I think stronger than a lot of people are valuing it as uh, because of the fact that it phases creatures out mm-hmm. rather than exiling or destroying them. So I've lost people to have the their- Aminatu deck that runs it. It's absolutely disgusting. Right. So the, the key here is that it's got vanishing. And it puts a number of counters on out of time and (laughs) with you can proliferate the counters to keep out of time for an arbitrary amount of time. And uh, hilarious. Yeah, that that actually is is consequential more than you might think. So uh, Phoenix, when you take a look at your list, looking at some of the key cards, you've got a lot of creatures here in this humility list. Uh, tell us what's going on here. What are some yeah. of the key parts? Yeah, well, so you're also running out of time. Yeah, uh, we're pretty light on artifacts, and that's because we're running Collector Oof. Uh, we're trying to stop artifact plans. We have Hushbringer, all those things. Uh, the most important creatures in the deck, though, especially because it's planning on trying to do kind of the proactive Sithis thing, and it's more of a green-white base deck that just has the best blue cards that it can be playing. Um, and so the cards like Allosaurus, Shepherd, Destiny Spinner, and Malevolent Hermit are some of the most important cards in the deck, uh, making yourself uncounterable and then just being able to resolve your humility rather than cheating it out with a something like an Academy Manu- Academy Rector and uh, Ted Ash or anything like that. Right. And then I mentioned it in there, but Sithis, uh, since Kestia cares about enchantment creatures and enchanted creatures. Sithis is probably the best enchantment creature that is in all of magic, I would venture to say. Um, And so a lot of the deck is built around Sithis, and it includes some of the Sithis combos from the actual Sithis deck on the database. Um, And so a lot of the ideas from there. Additionally, like I mentioned on those uncounterable cards, uh, the Dovescape plan is actually one of the main ways that this deck tries to close out the game uh, if you can get a dovescape block or something along those lines you can pretty easily just close out the game especially since you're drawing cards with uh enchanted creatures and enchantment creatures um and then that makes the uncounterable spells even more important for the deck mm-hmm. um yeah 
Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you have humility and dovescape? Yes. I've also found myself <laughs> in the situation where I have uh, abundance in dovescape. And let me tell you, that does not feel fair. <laughs> <laughs> not ever running out of gas while your opponents can't cast spells ends the game very quickly. I want to ask the question, how do, in general, because abundance is a card that I think is better than we really give it credit. In general, what are your opinions of abundance? I'm not very high on abundance overall, but I think that there are a lot of low color decks that could really abuse it. Mm -hmm. Um, Being able to control your draws is really powerful and then like we saw with the new creature that has a repeat effect uh you can run out of a card type in the deck and then after abundance resolves with that card type for the last time you can stack your deck um and so there are some combos that are interesting there but i don't think that the card is something that goes into every deck it needs to have repeated card draw triggers to convert into something useful Mm -hmm. right there's there's a, a sorcery that costs one that came out in Modern Horizons yeah. 2 that has Abundant the, Harvest. Uh, Abundant Harvest, right. Yep. Uh, I'm actually uh, playing with that in Teamer Krark. And Ooh, yeah, it should be. Yeah, that's really good. I right. have been playing it in almost every green deck. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, it winds up, you know, when when you need to find a land or when yeah. you need to find non-land so you can continue chaining it's very very yeah. nice uh, especially mm-hmm. under Kark, just because you can keep bringing yeah. it back to your hand uh the big In- thing that i <laughs> insert spongebob caps being uh book cantrips are bad <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean and that's one of the things like abundant harvest i think is like a it's about on par with preordain um obviously not as good as ponder but um but yeah. I think it's about on par with Preordain. And I feel like it's a card that pretty sure I think a lot of green decks should be considering if you're not running <laughs> it. Uh, but that's a discussion for a different so, time. But. Yeah. So so back to the abundance conversation. Yeah. Um I, ironically I was going to compare it to another card and then realize you're not on that other card which makes this conversation even better uh, I, I just don't know like Abundance is twice the mana cost of Sylvan Library and Sylvan Library despite anything else you're doing in the game is paying you off right that is I mean it's you know obviously uh, contingent on the circumstances where you get beat to hell but <laughs> <laughs> the idea in this deck is that you are the one beating to hell right Uh so so how did I, I mean it may be like an oversight thing or maybe a, a purposeful non-inclusion but like what what was the idea of like putting something in like abundance i'm willing that? to bet i want to jump in before phoenix goes i'm willing to bet that because uh charles was involved in the making of this deck that this was intentional i don't remember for sure actually i think it was <laughs> i think we talked about it at one point and then it was an oversight uh it was a multi-day deck building operation this is the second one gotcha. i gotcha. have another one that's yeah interesting as well um but uh, i think this was it was just an oversight on this one gotcha gotcha i think do you have do you find yourself having trouble maintaining your life total with humility yes uh you the instant that you play humility your life total is under threat and everyone wants to remove (laughs) it 
a lot of yeah almost every cdh deck other than maybe stuff very specifically playing some breach combos can't win through humility without removing it yeah right and no one wants to be the one to remove the humility before the next person's turn and then they cast a dark side for example right so i i wonder if there's some intentionality around staying away from library just because of the huge drain on your life that it can be especially when you're using it very greedily um yeah without having a way to offset that life loss Mm -hmm. when you become a target yeah definitely a valid point blind obedience in this deck feels like it probably puts in a lot of work yes and then uh, a card that is very very sneaky good is dictative heliod uh, yeah. If you resolve a dictative Heliod and if you resolve a dictative Heliod and have a Dovescape or a uh, Humility, I, it's going to be real hard to stop you from winning that game. <laughs> that's uh, that's how the kids call it, GGs. <laughs> what about the the free version of it that came out in Modern Horizons One? Force of Virtue. Force of Virtue. I think, yeah, right. Force of something, right? I think it's Force of Virtue. It was on the chopping block as. One of the worst enchantments. <laughs> okay. Because it also has flash and an anthem effect. Yeah. Me, I have to look at this card for a second because I forget what it does. Because um, I remember looking at it and being like, Bleh. I mean, it's plus one, plus one, right? And it's it's about basically yeah. the same. But I think the the idea is making it an anthem so that... Your plus one, think, plus, your, your one ones. I are think better. the consideration here would be that you're a three color deck, and reliably being able to pay it for free might be mm. a little questionable. Uh, and I, I feel like dictative. My opinion is dictative. Heliod is probably better at five mana than this is at four. Um, yeah. May I offer something at three mana? Ooh. Ooh. That we pull out from the casual side of oh, our hell yeah. Oh my, here that we come. Beastmaster. A staple on that. Uh, yeah, you what is it? it. Beastmaster Ascension. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Don't worry, all if these cards wanna, are considered. If you want to ensure that there is a game that you are going to win with you, the bodies on your board, you turn that shit sideways and boom <laughs> like <laughs> you're like oh that's so cute everybody how are your one ones compared to my six sixes <laughs> another, another breaking parody on humility thing that isn't in this one but it was in the other deck that i included mm-hmm. uh man lands do actually gain their power and toughness and abilities in a humility so huh. something like ink i think ink moth nexus uh, is a 10 turn clock because no one is ever going to be able to block that in a CDH deck, yeah. realistically. Yeah, for sure. Very interesting. Um, as we, I would definitely like to like take two minutes at the end of this episode to talk about strategies we didn't talk about today that are kind of fun with. Oh, humility. absolutely. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I, I was going to do something when, when I sat down to do it, my original thing was with, uh, what's the five color with Essica, Essica. And yeah, when I got to brewing it, it's just like I was feeling so uninspired uh, that like I didn't feel like I could contribute meaningfully <laughs> to this brewing exercise. Um, Which is so sad because that deck is exactly it was just like the chef's kiss of everything I want to play. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's kind of neat. I just couldn't like 
find the inspiration to make it happen. Yeah, fair. Um, you know, I have ADHD, as we've mentioned previously, and uh, it's probably some of the outtakes of this. And I have this tendency to hyper focus <laughs> on things. Yeah. And so it's very difficult for me to like get my brain off of a certain uh, particular build. Um, looking at uh, some of the, as we kind of shift over into the comparisons here, um, looking at artifacts is, I think, <laughs> uh, so. Mine's easy. We can just start with me. Yeah. So, so yeah, Nikeshi right? has got like all the staples, right? Uh, Jewel It's Lewis. playing collector roof. Yeah. It's Seven. playing all those. Uh, really the deck where we're going to see the differences here is where you have, uh, we have Ian's list. You're running stuff like we've talked about before. Aetherflux Reservoir, Bolsa Citadel, Curse Totem, um, you know, yeah. all the Adnos stuff. And then we've mentioned this mm-hmm. a few times of Candelabra uh, from uh, from Cobblepot's list. And it's interesting looking at these because you can see the directions that each deck went in just mm-hmm. by the artifact choices alone. For sure. It's funny when you look at like I, I feel like for me as a as a CDH deck builder, and I don't know if it's just the way my brain works, but like I feel like people would assume that I started playing CEDH way before I did because of all of the like boomer cards I play. <laughs> <laughs> like like when's the last time someone actually played Scroll Rack or Aetherflux Reservoir or I, like I use Scroll in Rack. There? I use Scroll Rack extensively in a lot of the Shadow Bag lists listen so i think every single I'm not one of saying them. that you belong to a certain generation of cd <laughs> <laughs> you calling me a gray beard <laughs> uh, one card i was actually surprised to not see in either one of your lists was conqueror's foil i huh. considered it in the mono white version that i was building mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because that was an equipment centric deck right. Right. For context to those at quite. home, uh, Conqueror's Flail, nothing of Conqueror's Flail gets turned off by humility, even if it's out before. So, right. <laughs> I almost put actual Grand Abolisher in mind just because of the times that humility wasn't out. And then I was just like, nah, whatever. Honestly, so, <laughs> that's that's kind of why I was playing like Reverent Silence on the back of Planespeaker and Orm's Chant. It was just, I was like, nah, I can find it other places. Um, honestly, a card that would probably fit well into all of these is Umazawa's Jitay. Um, hmm. Just because of the fact that Jitay's ability stays on the car or on the jitte and so it allows you yeah. to get some like board <laughs> control where you can just like pick off everybody's creatures like <laughs> sorry phoenix has been shaking his head this whole time <laughs> i play collector there's no way <laughs> yeah well, in phoenix's you, list sure but yeah, i think yeah. in 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 cobble's list like when you're <laughs> when you're getting into like the grindy sort of the portions mm-hmm. of it like a jitte puts in work man it My does. deck hopes to never be at that point. That's fair. <laughs> but if if it does get to that point, yes, Jitay would be good. Um, I think grindy decks yeah, in general should be playing Jitay. I actually sure. think I'm like playing, I'm playing Citadel Pier and Adnos. It is, it is so, just uh, like even if your main <laughs> game plan isn't art like equipment, I think grindy decks should probably consider playing Jitay. 
I, it is extraordinarily good board control. Yes. It's not your hottest. <laughs> uh, looking down here at the creatures, you would expect this to be a very short list, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> Phoenix. The only card that everybody uh, all had in common was Esper Sentinel, and I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, but uh, it looks like Phoenix and Cobble both had Hushbringer, and that's the extent of the similarities Ian, I'm so surprised I'm the only one on Academy. I was Rector. also surprised. That, by that one very much surprised me, especially given how many insane enchantments Phoenix is playing. <laughs> I mean, what's your well, sound way to sacrifice right? it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's super valid. I'm just like, ah, oh, it's so good in these decks. Um, yeah, it's so good with Tavesh. Like that, I just can't underestimate. Like, like a bunch of the test hands that I've played with this list, I was like. Oh, like none of my turbo stuff is working. And I was like, oh, but I can turn out like a turn two Academy Rector into a turn three Tavesh. <laughs> and then I can just control the board forever. And also this interaction draws me two cards. Um, Academy Rector also, as I found out in a test hand today, and not found out, but like uh, Academy Rector also can go get you Underworld Breach, which is a pretty sexy interaction. Yep. <laughs> so I was like, mm-hmm. I could lock down the board or... Wait a minute. Let me count my graveyard. Oh, or I could just win the game. I, I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I have been yelling about Academy Rector for a while for a reason. <laughs> like, hey, hey, hey! I'm like one of the two crazy people listening to you. So, like, <laughs> so Phoenix, I know you said that there was a reason why you're playing 18 creatures. Here is your reason. Here is your your opportunity <laughs> my to platform. sell us your soapbox. On yes. You to sell us on this. So, I'll give you once- this. You're playing Lavinia. So good. You're already on the right track. Yeah, so basically every creature is a stacks piece that is very backbreaking for strategies that are fast. So it's Collector Roof, Tyranneth Magistrate, Lavinia, Husbringer, uh, and then Ranger Captain finds stuff to be proactive is basically the way that it breaks down. And then it's almost copy-paste plus a couple blue creatures of what Sithis is playing. Uh, so very importantly, it's playing Sanctum Weaver, playing Sithis, it's mm-hmm. playing the best enchantment creatures that I can possibly play because they get triggered from Castia. And so once you put Castia on a creature, uh, then you can draw more cards. Or if you just play Castia, then you can draw more cards um, and keep going, basically. Uh, one notable inclusion, which is not a creature, but is notable for the creatures, is that I am playing one with the stars. And for all of you who have never drafted it in any... <laughs> draft format because it was bad there too um one with the stars removes the creature type oh. from is this the removal spell yes it's a blue, the one blue removal spell. Okay. Yeah, so it's a four mana enchantment <laughs> that uh, you can enchant a creature and it removes the creature type from the creature so in this case i'm playing a pile of stacks okay. creatures and if i needed to turn any of them back on i can uh, especially with my density of uh, enchantment tutors it's so actually really sick with humility. So it basically, or if I wanted to attempt to win, I could turn a Sithis back on and do Sithis combos while Sithis is under humility. Um, stuff like that. Or I can turn on my That's own so or cool. Shepard, or I can turn on my own Destiny Spinner. I was like, I saw one with the stars, and I was like, I don't want to look it up. What is this card? What is this card? <laughs> <laughs> so glad we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, so basically it's, it's a tech piece for specifically when humility is out. You can 
turn a creature into a not creature and then it works again under humility. That's it's cool. really neat. Uh looking at the enchantment suite, uh I I even dare to say that Ian even has one. You're running three cards. You have humility, necropotence, <laughs> and underworld breach. Uh cobbles, yeah. yours uh has some really neat stuff in it. But one of the cards I really want to talk about is planar void. Planar void is interesting because it creates a trigger. Is that correct? Um yes, it does. So it's it's similar to uh necropotence mm-hmm. in that way, where mm-hmm. the the exile clause is a trigger and in in this list, we're not really doing anything to exploit that. We're we're not okay holding priority and pulling things out of the yard. I mean, we mm-hmm. we could, but that's really not what this list is is wanting to do. This right. is basically just a pseudo rest in peace that only costs one black. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, the amount of lists that lean heavily onto breach strategies or similar strategies like uh, reanimator or whatever. Um, they just can't do anything through planner void or through rest in peace until they remove that. And it, it makes a, a huge difference in the tempo of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also see you, you talked about it a little bit earlier but you and Phoenix have both been very high on Meat Hook Massacre. I mean, uh, what is kind of the thought process? I mean, I feel like I could probably explain a lot of this, but what's what's kind of your take on Meat Hook Massacre? Well, it's it's a reasonable removal, you know, wipe spell, um, particularly when humility is down because right. uh, it's only three <laughs> mana um, and no life loss. Uh, it actually if winds anything, up the opposite. Yeah, right, it, you, it actually gains you quite a bit of life depending on the texture of the table. Um, but the fact is that even after it, like imagine if you did a toxic deluge and then it just stayed on the table and gained you life and pinged your opponents as creatures died. I mean, that it would be better than the regular toxic deluge. Yeah, it would. Because... <laughs> So it's it's not a destroy the way that uh dam is. Mm-hmm. So it even, you know, enchantment creatures that are indestructible or whatever, uh, you can be sure that you're gonna kill the creatures. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it stays around and continues to generate value, especially when you become a target under humility, is very, very useful because it allows you to keep your life total buoyant. It's also, Ian, something you should probably consider for your humble beginnings because it feels like a two-mana board wipe, uh, two-CMC board wipe is real good under an Oz. Yeah, yeah. It's one, I mean, it's basically what Dam is for in my list, right? It's Damn. The, the same thing. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, something that, that I overlooked that should be in the list but isn't is uh, Cloudstone Curio. Mm-hmm. Mm. And... That actually served a couple of purposes, one being to be able to bounce Meat Hook Massacre mm. um, or <laughs> to bounce Humility That's um, hilarious. or Planeswalkers oh, as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. But um, that is another 
angle that you can use with Meat Hook Massacre, where mm-hmm. we my list is really uh, intent on keeping the graveyards completely exiled. Right. So right. as soon as you cast a spell, generally that spell's gone and you're not going to be able to use it again. Um, whereas Meat Hook Massacre, if you've got means of returning it to your hand and uh, I think Cloudstone Curio is better than, you know, self-bounce spells just because you can repeatedly do it and it doesn't cost mm-hmm. mana. Um, being able to reset Meat, Meat Hook Massacre, kill all your opponents and just leave or kill all the Being creatures life, and drain them some more. leave it in play. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Phoenix. We've got a uh, 25 enchantment. I don't know what <laughs> half of them do. <laughs> so uh, take me through A this. lot of the enchantments are stolen from Sithis. Uh, they're enchant creatures that give them untap the ability to untap or tap for mana or So whatever. do you also owe uh, Reed like an authorship credit on this? Probably, deck? yeah. I <laughs> stole all of his ideas. That's how I built most decks, to be honest. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I took a lot of the enchantments into this and then I trimmed a couple of them and then added in some of the blue high impact, high stacks enchantments. So dress down, dovescape, uh, we are playing enchanted evening, which I'll probably get to once we get to sorceries. Enchanted evening is an enchantment that reads all, all all cards on the battlefield are enchantments. Uh, and so in this case, it just makes it so that every creature I have draws me a card with Kestia. And so it's a manual value engine as well as being something that has a couple combos in the deck. Yeah, I mean, it it combo. Go ahead and go right to it. It combos with uh, cleansing meditation, cleansing meditation. Gosh, I don't remember when this was in standard, but that was a fun deck. Um, Cleansing meditation is let me read the card so I don't read it wrong. An old threshold card. It is destroy all enchantments in my very enchantment heavy deck. Uh, And so cleansing meditation is destroy all enchantments with threshold, which is instead destroy all enchantments, then return to play all cards in your graveyard destroyed this way. This was in standard in torment for what it's worth. (laughs) So 2002. Yeah. And so with the number Mm. of enchantments the deck is playing, this is almost always going to trigger threshold. And then it becomes a one sided board wipe. And then under humility, it also lets you reset the way that things are equipped. It lets you reset the timestamps if anything's messed up. It's kind of just a blow up the world. And then with uh, with specifically the Enchanted Evening combo, it turns all permanents into enchantments, which includes blowing up all of your opponents, everything, lands, everything, just blow it all up. And it untaps your lands, so it's yep. ramp. So what you're telling me is it's like when we Armageddon in Lavinia, but even better. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's three mana, three mana Armageddon that also returns everything that you have and resets timestamps for humility. And It's a three mana asymmetric cataclysm. Yes, that's rad. Seems good. Um, also <laughs> looking at uh, as we move over into the instance, uh, you've also got Rite of Harmony in this. And is that like specifically to try and combo out with uh, the aforementioned cleansing meditation? 
It is not, but it does draw a lot of cards with Cleansing Meditation. It okay. does turn land drops into draws with Enchanted Evening. It does combo air quotes with the pile of uh, the pile of creature generation that I have with Dovescape and uh, humi- or not Humility, Squirrel's Nest. Um, and so it just generally draws a lot of cards in the deck. It's a, a really big ritual for mm-hmm. card draw. Mm. Uh, as we kind of look over, like we said, uh, you know, both Ian and, uh, you know, Kabul are on ad nauseum as Ian being more of an ad nauseum strategy, uh, mm-hmm. specifically looking at Kabul's list here for a moment, you are definitely leaning into a lot of the control elements. And this is, I want to stop here for a moment because this is something that Charles tweeted out, um, that I think is worth discussing here to get your opinions on. Uh, So when we are in a control strategy, how many uh, counter spells do you think you should be on? Because when, if I'm reading this correctly, you are on uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 if we count silence i mean uh so so you're we're we're saying nine so any control strategy if you were to like look at that in maybe other sort of formats i don't know that that would translate so what are you're obviously using it's, it's other 10 because there's swan song in there oh i didn't see the swan song um so when you we look at that like is 10 where you want to be like what do you guys think is the optimal place to be on counter spells uh in these sorts of decks so, like I said, one of the important uh, couplings that we want to get on the board is Counterbalance and Sensei's Divining Top, uh, particularly because we know that most of the time we're going to be exiling anything that's going to touch the graveyard. So, we want to, we, we know that we're not going to be able to get our counter spells back after we use them. And being able to spend one colorless mana to counter multiple spells is uh, much more card efficient because it, we don't have to be drawing into the counter spells and, and using them to, to be able to get that to happen. And also it means that we're not uh, spending the mana if the, the, the counter spells themselves are not um, free. So you're not incurring the card disadvantage that you would get with the forces. Interesting. Okay. So I'm going to be pedantic here, right? What do you define as a control deck in competitive EDH? I would say a control deck is a deck that aims to disrupt the game plans of the other opponents I'm choosing my words carefully (laughs) (laughs) through both proactive and reactive means okay interesting stacks is much more proactive because you're Mm -hmm. getting your your stacks pieces out Uh, control is in 1v1 control is very much 
a counter spell. Control is so much easier, yeah, to define in one v one, right? Because of right. that that nature of like counter remove, exactly one, that kind of because a, a, it's it's a one for one, and mm-hmm. exactly, and you're not losing relative card advantage the way that you do at a four person table, right? So you, that's another reason why counterbalance plus mm-hmm. top is really mm-hmm. strong is because having a one on the top of your library is going to counter multiple one CMC spells across the table or just hold people off from being able to count to, to, to cast those spells. So those mm-hmm. people who are holding on to their Imperial seal or their vampiric tutor that they need to go and get their combo piece can't do that. And they also can't use the tutor to go and find removal for the counterbalances on the battlefield. So it, stifles their ability to perform uh not only the the thing that they want to do but the the next steps for removing the thing that's holding them up and that that's part of control and mm-hmm. it, that's i mean that's not a, a counter spell that's that's a a permanent that's in play that's yeah. allowing you to be able to effectively interact with three players not just one yeah, I think it's really interesting when we're talking about this like idea of like like what is the interaction suite of a control deck because like for a really long time that has gone sans definition mm-hmm. in CEDH specifically because the idea that like Tim Nathrasios midrange isn't a control deck to like a 60 card player is absolutely ridiculous, right? Like if you look at these decks, they're like they have a bit of acceleration, a bit of ramp, and then they have counter spells and interaction and card draw right like that is just that is a control deck in a 60 card uh, i don't know if to i totally agree with that i think i okay what? here's, here's <laughs> okay. why here's why i disagree with you love to hear you. um yeah. would you say that four color omnath in modern is a control deck then because that is the comp is no it's a ramp deck no it's not it plays Teferi. It plays Ragavan. It plays. It does all almost all the same thing. What? It plays same uh, same amount of counter spells. Mm-hmm. Does it? I guess maybe I haven't seen this it deck is, in a long time. So I mean, if I were if I were to look it up, I I would say it is like the mid range deck outside of like Jund, which Jund is yeah, just kind of morphed into a weird deck now. Anyhow. But I mean, I, I five color Omnath. I mean, if I look at it, uh, I mean, it's a control Which, deck. Yeah, it's not okay. a it's not what I would identify as a control deck. I don't know. So like the one I'm looking at now, right? Has I mean, maybe like, I would. I don't know. It looks. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't not call this a control okay. deck. Like it's maybe got like this one. OK, sure. Five creatures. It's got some planeswalkers and like it's a sorcery. Yeah, yeah. It's a tap out control, right? Like that is classic tap out. control. Okay. Fair Except enough. for like the four copies of Counterspell. <laughs> I, but I think yeah. that uh, Thrasios Timna falls more in line with like what classic Jund plays like personally. And I think that is why I don't like calling it a control deck because I feel like the play pattern of the deck falls more closely aligned to how like old Liliana Lightning Bolt like Tarmogoyf Jund played. Hmm. Jund now is a wild beast that's completely different. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and once again, it's, it's really hard to translate the ideals into, right, the appropriate mm-hmm. setting because of this. 
But I think it's just interesting when you're talking about like, like Cobble had mentioned there, right? Like the, the delineation between what's a control deck and what's a stacks deck is like, I, I think quite hard to define just because of the fact that like stacks is your three for one counter mm-hmm. spells, right? Like if you right. look at it in that sense. So it's with, with our format, it's, it's hard to say like, oh, you should be playing 10, at least 15 counter spells in your control deck. And it's like every single commander I mean, this is it doesn't really help because it boils it down to it's a case by case basis. But I think like it's to to give an answer to that question is to completely undermine like most of mm-hmm. CDH. <laughs> I, one thing that I think I would say is um, I don't consider Trainwreck to be a stacks deck, even though it's mm-hmm. running Planner Void and Rest in Peace and Torpor yeah. Orb. Uh, it's running stacks pieces. Yeah. But I think the big difference is that stack stacks generally have a lot of hate bears and they're generally mm-hmm. very reticent to wipe the board mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. wiping the board means that they are losing a part of the value that they've accrued and they don't want to lose those archons of Amiria and the, and so on i think in a control deck in a control deck you are fine with wiping the board and Mm -hmm. that's what i've found in this particular list you know playing humility playing out of time playing meat hook massacre and you know just letting planeswalkers do their thing that is i think probably closer to what people canonically think of as Mm -hmm. control because yeah you are just keeping the board clear of everything see and not trying to have this delicate balance that stacks needs to maintain where Mm -hmm. it needs to have this board presence and it has less flexibility in how it removes other people's board presence because it doesn't want to remove its own see i feel like yeah the deck that i'm working on now in jeskai stoneblade and Golos stacks the 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 workshop deck that I built. I think take those two ideas to the extreme. Like, I think they exemplify what a stacks deck looks like and what a control deck looks like in the most extreme way possible mm-hmm. in the format. Like, uh, yeah. Golos stacks is very clearly showing you what a stacks deck looks like. It's all on board. It's all, it cares about its board. Mm-hmm. It's all slamming stuff. It's very proactive. Yeah. Whereas Jeskai Stoneblade sits back on its heels and is very okay with going land pass. And I mm-hmm. think that difference, I think because you said this earlier cobble where the difference between stacks and control is stacks is proactive. Control is reactive. Yeah. And I think that's mm-hmm. how you, identify it in the format because if you're playing proactively or reactively i think that's how you define it in cedh yeah Yeah. i think there's also just like the the actual like control decks as you're describing Mm -hmm. uh like the 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 callahan jeskai stone blade (laughs) specials uh are like there's like four (laughs) in my opinion like like true control decks that actually see play in cedh there's not a lot I think the rest of them are like slow mid range decks or hybrid stacks mm-hmm. decks. And I think that's, that's kind of more to the point I was going at, which is like, there is a, 
I feel like we use the word control a lot because of its place in 60 card, but it just doesn't work the same in 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 400 slash, <laughs> you know, uh, four player multiplayer. Yeah, I was going to share my sim. I my take is kind of simple, but I don't think any of what you guys have said really agrees with me. Um, and so my take is that I think that some stacks decks are control decks and some are not. And I think my at least personal, very simple definition of control decks are decks whose main game plan is extending the duration of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some stacks decks fit into that. Some don't. Some mid range decks might mm-hmm. fit into that. Some don't. And I don't think it's something that's clear cut. Right. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting like thought exercise here now because we're looking at this instant suite and, you know, just yeah. just to kind of hear the opinions of these things. Um, one of the other pieces to that, too, isn't just how many counter spells you play, right? It's how much interaction you're playing. And so, like, yeah. we look at your list here, uh, Ian, and you're running more mm-hmm. interaction than I would expect a Nas deck to be playing. You're running Swords, Path, yeah. and Vanishing Verse. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Pyroblast, yeah. Orem's Chant, Silence, uh, Deflecting Swat. Iliad's Intervention. Uh, Angel's Grace, quote by quote, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like the idea, was, and as I said, this is a lot of this was the, the luxury of being creature light, right? Uh, so I had to fill in like, what, what do you normally have in those spots? Right. So I was thinking of like, okay, there's some value creatures. I'd play my dark confidants and, you know, maybe some of the one drop creatures that can give me a little bit of value here and there. And I was like, all right, let's just take all those spots out because I'm, I'm trying to really break parity on this humility mm-hmm. effect. Um, let's really expedite the process. So, you know, a bunch of slots made sure that my ramp package was as clean as possible due to the, my triple payoff slash Tavesh. Uh, mentality for the deck and then the rest of it was like i have all of these spots available i could a put some like really niche cards in here that probably won't serve my game plan um so like some of these extra spots i put in things that i don't always play so things like mizzix's mm-hmm. mastery that's in there uh in the creature suite i have valky because it's a planeswalker on one side and a value creature on the yeah. other side um you know, just things like that. And then I was like, you know, the rest of it, let's just let's just play some some good magic. Let's not play irresponsibly. <laughs> and the fact that I'm playing <laughs> the fact that I'm playing Mardu doesn't mean the fact that I should just concede to someone attempting to win right. the game. <laughs> um, so and like, yeah, like you don't even see the fact that like technically I also have another one here in, in reverent silence up in my creature slot. Yeah. Uh, which is like just another silence effect. So one, I think silence effects are really really strong right now if you're not playing blue i think they're the best thing you can be playing um i think white has all of the best secondary interaction that might be a hot take to some people but like swords path silence and crappy silences <laughs> are still uh in my opinion some of the best things you can be playing as far as Orm's like secondary chances. interaction hey. blue. yeah exactly. I, <laughs> I have been hey you know what? I, I play it enough i can't even be ashamed of it eating this drug <laughs> not one in the GL game because of Warren's chant being kicked. <laughs> I have been beating this drum for a while, but I think people mm. there was there was a time when I was like, oh, you can't play Path to Exile. You don't want to give them a land. And these days, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's playing these Tain Attack mana bases. Like yep. it's just a better swords 90% of the time. Yep. 
And it, it's the same thing I've been saying about like wins of abandon is like we, we mm-hmm. saw it even mm-hmm. in the two color league game that we played yeah. where had that card resolved, I think only like five lands would have hit the battlefield and there were like 10 or 15 mm-hmm. creatures. Uh, yeah. That yeah. is kind of where I think there, when we're talking about like white and uh, I think we've talked about this before, but where white has really good removal and especially like stuff like settle the wreckage stuff like uh, mm-hmm. um, maybe settle the wreckage is less good in our format, but stuff like winds of abandon, right. I think it's better than people really give it credit for. Well, yeah, I mean, I, but <laughs> based on the last time I was on this show and people at home can't see this, I have this, uh, this, this beautiful winds oh, of babe. abandon. Did you go buy it? Online I, I, yeah, it was 100%. So I, I, on that episode, I have the cart right here. It was uh, a foil German Dragonlord Ojukai <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and a foil Japanese Winds of Abandon. And there was like two other cards. But I was just like, literally based on the conversation, I literally had set up another cart while we were talking here today because I get so inspired <laughs> by these decks. <laughs> I, this happens every single time I'm on a brewing episode. I'm like, and all right, I've just spent $70. Awesome. I'm now happy with myself. This is why we do the channel. <laughs> fireball plus for me because i just like <laughs> like very passively acquire like ten dollars in credit from them every month and then i'll just mm-hmm, be like mm-hmm. inspired and i'm like oh shoot i'm gonna go buy a bunch yep. of cards um yeah for real looking further down um one one yeah. more thing just on that control and removal uh discussion mm-hmm. i i think that it just needs to be reiterated and maybe emphasized that passive control effects that are not necessarily stacks, but like tabernacle, Mm -hmm. for instance, are significant because they represent either removal or resource uh, inhibition. So it's, it's one of those things where it's tabernacle is kind of like, Ristic study where it's giving your opponent your, 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 your opponents a, a choice between well either I'm losing mana or I'm losing my I'm, creatures right um, and that I I can't be overstated how much of a difference that Ian, makes do you have tabernacle in, in your cart right now <laughs> uh, yeah all right Anyway, I'm trying not to go broke here. <laughs> but it it really is. I mean, I mean, I've got crop rotation in the deck because Tabernacle is often one of the first yeah, things that I'll tutor for. Seems good. Yeah, Tabernacle's thirty four hundred dollars. Yeah, you don't want to like an MP. take a mortgage out to. It buy was that like card? it was two hundred dollars five years ago. Ban the reserve list. That's all Big I got to say. No, um, wait, wait. I don't Maybe know more than five years ago. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, because when I started playing CEDH, Tabernacle was one of the first cards I wanted, and then I looked and it was a grand, and I was like, well, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what year it was. Um, it might be closer to eight or ten at this point, Cobble. <laughs> okay. I've been playing a long time. I've been playing for <laughs> almost ten years. Back to my previous comment. <laughs> so... Um, I'm glad that I'm not the youngest magic player in this room. I'm usually like the one who's been playing like the least amount of time, but Ian's over here like, hey, I've been playing for five years. 
I've been here playing for almost mm-hmm. a decade. Um, looking at the Planeswalkers. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, Magic or CDH? Because I've been CDH for uh, no seven years. It's still way under you guys. <laughs> uh, I started playing CDH in 2016. No, no, oh, Magic. Magic. Sorry, I started playing Magic in Theros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I started playing CDH before there was CDH. <laughs> CDH was the format that my True. friends wanted me to play when I got taught Magic ten years ago. <laughs> Wow. Um, <laughs> Deep. I I started off uh playing in Theros. So and I spent a lot way, way, way too much money buying boxes. It was one of my favorite stories of I was so excited for my first set because I started playing in the middle of Theros. And so I was really excited for like my first mm-hmm. set release. So I pre-ordered mm-hmm. five boxes of Board of the Gods. Oh no, <laughs> set. My condolences. That's so bad. I didn't get any of the cards <laughs> I wanted. I made no money back. Mm-hmm. That was my first experience yeah. with that. And I don't yep. think I bought another box for like three or four years after that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder why. I had <laughs> the the first box, the first box I ever bought um was Fallen Empires. Jesus Christ. So I have a whole bunch of brainstorms and high tides and really not much else to show for it. Well, we could keep on talking. We've talked a lot about these decks and all the different things in there. Uh, any like last pieces that you all want to kind of touch on before we take off here? And we'll we'll start around here with Phoenix. Hall of Heliod's generosity is really good in my deck. Uh, there's a lot of enchantments in it. And you sacrifice a Sterling Grove and get it on top of your deck with a Hall of Heliod's. Pretty good. Um, other than that, uh, mine has a bunch of basics in it, and obviously it's because I'm playing uh, Squirrels Nest and Earthcraft, so that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Ian? You're doing you're playing the Nas strategy, so your stuff kind of looks kind of nazi. Yeah. So one thing I think that was came up in talking about the instant conversation is I think that there is an interesting thought experiment that happens here, and I kind of brought it up last time I was on this show. Uh, when we were talking about Jeskai Bralcom, uh, when I was talking about Pyroblast, Red uh, Blast, and Carpet of Flowers and Veil of Summer, and how those are like staples that sort of through the natural conversation of games like got challenged. Um, so for this deck, I had something similar happen where creatures, right? Creatures are staples that were challenged through this mm-hmm. gameplay. Um, there were many creatures that would be effective in a Mardu shell that are not effective because of the way we're playing Humility. And because of that, I was able to play a lot more interaction. My deck still does its thing. I'm still able to turbo out really fast and I still have like the needed creatures, things like Dockside, I think kind of Bergy, Esper Sense and all stuff like that. Like I probably could use a Dark Confidant too, something like that. But what that left me was a bunch of slots that usually were taken up by staples or staple-esque slots, right? And what it left was a deck that it was able to interact really well and play a really aggressive strategy. Mm-hmm. And that's ended up being like a really unique space. And I think being able to challenge things that we assume should be in there is really strong. Now, I've seen that go to extremes where, you know, people said, let's cut all our cantrips and Ristic study. And we can agree or disagree on whether that was a good choice for the meta at the time. Um, You know, people challenge Cyclonic Rifts and that card is now back in favor. Right. But I mean, even think about the meta right now. Right. It, uh, if you're looking at the tournament scenes lately, right? Think about like 
ad nauseum was quote the deck and strategy that is on top and the past couple tournaments have been dominated by mid-range decks and winota decks and offbeat stacks decks and decks that beat up on the stacks decks right because there's a natural flow to these things so i i think the the moral of the story is as the more we brew the more we learn to challenge the staples and i'm not saying like stop playing soul ring and mana crypt because don't <laughs> But, you know, definitely look at where you can improve your spots. I, I'm playing a very aggressive deck that still has the ability to interact well, even though it's not playing mm-hmm. blue. So challenge those ideas and challenge the idea, especially if you're someone who plays Turbo Ad Nauseum all the time. Maybe challenge the idea that you're not the interaction deck at the table because I've seen people have that mentality and it's lost them a lot of games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just think think about about how many like like, you were talking about is like the shift in the meta now has become, especially at the tournament scene, is the decks that are succeeding are the like anti Nas decks. And I feel Mm -hmm. like if you took your Nas deck that you built today to that, you would have a much better shot of beating those decks, in my opinion. Mm hmm. So. So, yeah, Yeah, I don't disagree. (laughs) I, I almost wonder. I'm curious if. This deck yeah. almost just works better if you just go Tim Jessica, drop the Academy Rector package, and just like raw dog. Mm-hmm. Like Jessica can shoot Academy Rector. It can shoot Academy Rector. So there you go. I almost wonder if just like Jessica Timna and just doing Mad Farm like this is almost mm-hmm. worth exploring. Good shot. <sighs> I. Yeah, it's in so so maybe Mad Farm with this minus humility. I don't know that humility is an uh, something you want to do there, but there's definitely a world where like I've talked about playing the um the the new thing from Strixhaven that's a uh, four mana. You let your opponents make get like draw two cards and you wipe all non land permanents or non yeah all non land permanents and like a deck like Mad Farm, that's awesome because mm-hmm. you're like hey thank you for all the stacks both creature and non creature. Uh, those things are dead now. May I proceed to kill you with my burr? Right. <laughs> and that because you don't need a board state in those decks. But you have a board state because you're playing Timna, right? And I think definitely leaning off Timna is a disadvantage. But there's middle ground to be found there. I think you bring up a good point. Like, is there there is an interesting shell there where maybe like your creatures are like Esper Sentinel, Dockside, Dark Confidant, maybe Oriox Salvagers if you're playing that package. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. And then you and just like load up like on a, interaction. A world where that's a thing. Yeah. Right. Right. It's definitely a way to play it. Yeah. Cobble, any final thoughts on your deck and what your thought about it? I think that people who have never played Balance should do so. Because <laughs> <laughs> it. If if you can reliably cast restore balance, um, it is very hard for people to come back from if <laughs> you are positioned to be able to capitalize on that and profit from it, especially if you have rest in peace. I like that that tonight we've had a lot of uh have you heard the good news? <laughs> <laughs> First it was Arby's vodka, which may or may not be the good news for real, but now we're in like, all right, let's talk about these restore balance cards. <laughs> with your opponent's permanence. <laughs> I, I I think that Gideon of Trials too is is oh, one of those cards that, card. that people undervalue. Mm-hmm. So um, much. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Especially if you can get a proliferate thing going where you, it's got a ton of counters on it and yep. you can uh, keep uh, targeted removal from resolving. Mm-hmm. I mean, normally people can just, you know, race or they can just say, well, I'm going to mill you out and you're going to lose because you've been milled right. out or we're cast Thassa's Oracle and Demonic Consultation and just win. Um, It's a pain in the ass (laughs) (laughs) if there's this Gideon that you can protect and Mm. just means that you can't lose. Um, It's it's, much stronger than than you may think. I think uh, uh, there is kind of this mentality that planeswalkers are bad um, in CEDH. And I think Phoenix and I have talked about this pretty extensively that uh, especially having shown that at one point we were playing eight of them in Lavinia. Um, <laughs> like, like there are some, some of them are bad. Some of them are bad, but like Narsa <laughs> transcended. I've got to ultimate and I, uh, oh. it's like, Super easy to ultimate too because it comes down and nobody's really Mm -hmm. pays attention to it because it's plus two is like not that big a deal. And then you ultimate it Mm -hmm. and then everybody's like, wait, what? Um, yep. I see that all the time in Grand Arbiter back in the old days. I mean, it's so good. (laughs) It's a very good card. And I think we should be exploring Planeswalker stuff more. Um, perhaps that would be our next brewer's choice episode is exploring super friends <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a, a, a lead in there uh, but yeah <laughs> well uh that about wraps things up for us today uh thank you again to our uh very special guest ian you're kind of part of the sculpty family as we call it not an official sculpty boy <laughs> Uh, as we would say, but you know, you're, you're part <laughs> yeah. of the family. You come on the show frequently enough. Um, yeah, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, we here. love having you. And uh, thank you to everybody who is at home uh, listening. Uh, Ian, how could people kind of talk with you, find out what you're up to? I know you're not making content anymore. Yeah. But, you know, still know what you're doing. Yeah. To. So I have my own discord where uh, I, I have a community that is is actually more active than I am myself, uh, just because life and work and crazy stuff. Um, Phoenix is one of those fantastic <laughs> people. Uh, we've been doing a lot of the brewing and spoiler stuff, talking about uh, the new stuff from uh, Midnight Hunt. Or no, sorry, Crimson Vow. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at ComedianMTG. Uh, you can still find the over 60-something videos I have on YouTube, a year's worth of content at least, uh, on there at YouTube.com slash ComedianMTG. Uh, I am, I'm in the middle of an indefinite hiatus. However, uh, that does not mean I will not be back in content at some point, you, probably when I have a commute. That an hour. Time consuming and life consuming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I'm not at work for like 14 yeah. hours a day. Um, but yeah, those are the, those are the main places. Find me on discord, any of the major discords. I'm there. I'm in the nexus. I'm in the mind sculptors. I'm in my discord. I'm in blah, 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 blah. <laughs> any of those places. <laughs> uh, find me in the Winota discord, which is my second home. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, if you want to join our discord, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors. And uh, just for uh, as low as two dollars a month, you can join our discord server. 
And uh, we've got the Phoenix mm-hmm. bot that uh, gives us all of our spoilers. What would we do without you, Jeremy? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's a, it's literally a running joke that whenever somebody like try like I think there are a few people who try to beat Jeremy to posting spoilers to see who can post them first. I don't even look at the spoiler. Mm-hmm. I just snip it and it's in the channel. <laughs> <laughs> Right, he's faster than Mythic Spoiler. I think that's not <laughs> untrue, actually. Um, <laughs> so if you want to be keeping up to date on uh, the spoiler season, like we said uh, last time Phoenix was on, uh, he lives for that shit, so he'll always be doing that. <laughs> so you can join us over there on Patreon. We greatly uh, appreciate all of the people who support us over there. Um, if you would like to support us, like I said, head on over there. Um, want to also let you know that if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can go over there at Sculpty Boys, B-O-I-S. Or if you just want the easy way of doing it, find a direct link in our link tree in the description below. Thank you again for joining us today and from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors. I'm Callahan. We'll see you next time. I'm in line with the stars. I'm in sync with the earth. Ten toes deep, flower child from the turf. I never switch sides. Like, even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad. Let up ties in the hearse.